0: Back in the fall of 1991, I was starting my senior year of college and there were two significant decisions on my mind. Where would I get a job when I graduated? What does God have in store for me in terms of an occupation and a place of work? And the other thing was, what does God have in store for me in the area of finding a spouse? Like that's something that often hits the thought of a senior in college. Where am I going to work and who am I going to marry? And so I had thoughts about those things going on inside of me, wondering what the Lord might do. I also had external messages from people around me related to those big decisions in my life and I made a decision that I would enter into ministry as a result of some of what I was thinking about and feeling in my own heart about my life and direction and what others were saying about me and how the Lord was leading me and I do not regret having made that decision I am so grateful for that And I had external messages about a particular young lady named Lindley that I happened to pay attention to as I contemplated those internal thoughts about who am I going to marry. And I made a decision to call her and ask her out on a date, and I will never regret that decision. Uh, That was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And when you think about decisions that we make, we have times in our life where we make profound significant decisions and and we don't want to regret those decisions. But if you just think about every day you're making a series of decisions every day all day long and we all want to have many more decisions we don't regret than decisions we do regret. If you remember last week as we talked about our hearts that there are times because of living in a broken world where sin has broken us and everybody around us, that there are times because of that brokenness that our hearts will actually condemn us, that the messages internally will be messages like you are not good enough for God to love. God's not going to forgive you for that again. You're you're not okay with the Lord, and the Lord is upset at you, and you cannot get his favor. I mean, when we think about some of the things that we make decisions about that we regret, sometimes our hearts will condemn us, and we will be informed by our own hearts about God and what he says about us that is contrary to what he really says about us. And we heard last week that God is greater than our hearts. And even in moments where we feel the condemnation of our own hearts, God's word to us about his forgiveness and his salvation is greater than any word of condemnation that our heart may feel. Now, if we will have experiences where we allow God's message of truth to inform those internal thoughts and ideas, don't you know we're going to make a lot better decisions? Well, today I want to talk about the external messages. We we got messages that come from our own hearts, but we got messages that are coming from the entire world that are in many times contrary to the message of God's truth. And we want to make decisions that we don't regret. So let's look at 1 John chapter 4, reading in verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this we know the spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's an appropriate place for a big amen. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 5. They are from the world. For that reason, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And the one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of of error. We're living in a world where there's a lot of spirits, false prophets, messages that are contrary to God and what God says. I mean, we're bombarded by messages every single day that do not take into account the person of Christ or the words of Christ. We don't have to think really hard to consider that that's actually true. I mean, there are some messages that are so clearly against Christ that they're easy to recognize. But there are also messages that are subtle. A slight departure from the truth so as to lure people in kind of a slow drift into departing away from the truth of Christ. It shouldn't be a surprise to us because the Bible tells us that Satan is like a fake demonstration of truth. He's, he's like an angel of light, but masquerading under the guise of being an angel of light. His servants pretend to be servants of righteousness, but they're just like his, their father who according to John 8:44 is the father of all lies. So Satan's masquerading as an angel of light his servants the spirits or the messages of the world are contrary to the person of Christ and they are around us everywhere oftentimes subtly just to get us to make one small decision without regard to who Christ is and what Christ says, not even thinking about whether or not the message lines up with Christ and just making a decision based on some internal message or external message that does not regard Christ. And it just becomes a slow drift, one decision at a time. This is a real threat that we live in the middle of. And that's why we are given this command. Do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every message that is being conveyed in our world that is moved from a spiritual realm that is contrary to Jesus Christ. Because there are false prophets everywhere who are speaking a message to lure people away from Christ. So don't believe everything you hear in the world. First command. We should be cautious because we live in a world that would love for us to buy into what is not true and drift away and make decisions that we deeply regret. So don't believe everything you hear. Instead, test what you hear. It's the second command. Don't believe everything you hear. Second command, test what you hear. Now notice in the scripture, we are told to test the spirits to see if they are from God. And if you, if you recognize the test here, we are supposed to see if the spirits confess that Jesus co- has come in the flesh. And those spirits or those messages that don't line up with a confession of Jesus Christ, then they are not from God. So this is a test that John is given This church here to practice in order to establish whether or not a message lines up with the person and the words of Christ. You think about what that is like for us. So, So consider the fact that in the first and second century of the church, one of the primary threats against the church was heresy, false messages about Jesus Christ. And something was happening here in John's day in this church where if this church would simply address the issue of whether or not Jesus had come in the flesh, they could expose a significant message of error. And so they were simply testing whether or not a message lined up with who Jesus was and what Jesus said. So you think about the principle that's laid out here in this passage. We are to test every message that's coming to us from this world on the basis of who Jesus is and what Jesus says. And we have this incredible gift in the Word of God that tells us and shows us who Jesus is and what He says so that we might test every message on the basis of this truth. I recently read an article about um, some Dead Sea Scroll fragments that were purchased not too long ago by a group of interested investors. And so they purchased these Dead Sea Scroll fragments and they believe that they were authentic, but has come to light that a number of those fragments are actually forgeries. And the people who are studying the fragments and determining that they're forgeries are people who have studied for many, many hours fragments that are real. That are actually Dead Sea Scroll fragments. Because they've seen the real thing so many times and studied it so much. They're able to recognize things in the forgery that reveal it's not true. So they're studying what is true so they can readily see what's not true. And in their testing what's not true, their understanding of what is true is deepened. Isn't that amazing? We have the Word of God, the truth. That we can line up through a lens of seeing the messages of the world and we can test all the messages that are coming at us through the lens of God's truth, His Word. And we can determine again and again by the truth of God's Word what is true and what is not true. So that what's informing our decision making is the truth of God's Word internally and externally so that we make decisions we do not regret. You feel the encouragement to know this this book? But I don't want you to miss this command and light of the church. So the church is told, don't listen to everything, but test everything. Test it by who Christ is and what Christ says. And you have the scripture to be able to see who Christ is and what he says. So you can filter all the messages of the world through that lens. And align yourself with Jesus Christ. And you can do it together as a church family. Do you see the beauty in that? Do you recognize the benefits of obeying these commands as a church family? It's in the church where you have pastors and leaders who are instructed and gifted to guide you in the truth and encourage you in the Word of God. It's in the church family that you're surrounded by people who can encourage you personally to seek after the knowledge of Christ in the Word of God. To daily spend time with the Lord in reading his word. You're surrounded by people that care about knowing the Lord and want you to know the Lord. Then we're surrounded by people who have a knowledge of the truth. Every person in here has some knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ, who is a follower of Christ. And on the basis of that collective knowledge, we understand who Christ is as a church family far better than we could understand him if we were isolated and alone we have incredible benefits in the church family to obey this command and to be cautious about the messages that are bombarding our lives and to test everything through the lens of what is true. Boy, that ought ought to create some confidence in us. That in a world that is full of messages that are contrary to Jesus Christ. That seeks to subtly draw us away. We have the confidence of knowing that we are in a church family that knows Jesus Christ. And collectively can stand against error and stay in the truth. Amazing to be a part of a church family. But that is not where the confidence ends in this passage. L- listen again to verse 4. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than all of the ones in the world put together. You know why we can be confident in a world that's full of messages contrary to the truth that oftentimes are so subtly that can lead us into a drift away from Christ? Because God who is in us is greater. He is greater. There is not a collection of spiritual messages contrary to Christ that is greater than the Spirit who resides in you. God is greater. You can trust Him. He's in you he is greater you you know this well-known verse he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world comes out of the old testament there's a story in second chronicles chapter 32 about the king of judah hezekiah he's leading judah and he's confronted by the king of assyria sennacherib And Sennacherib sends his host of army to attack Judah. And Hezekiah is trying to lead his people faithfully to trust the Lord in the midst of this onslaught of this powerful army that has been destroying every nation they're coming in touch with. And Hezekiah is trying to equip his people and help them get ready and make the right weapons and be prepared for the battle that might occur that they might have to face in light of this enemy. And so they're making preparations and they're getting ready. And Hezekiah stands before his people and he gives them this encouragement. Does this sound familiar? Second Chronicles chapter 32 verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles he that is with us is greater than he that is in the world that's where that comes from that story where God c- conveyed and revealed who he is and now he is the reason we experience victory did you catch that Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, you know what the Lord does? He sends his angel and wipes out 185,000 of the army of Sennacherib and they go hightailing it back home and the people are victorious. Now, when the army of Sennacherib was gathering against Judah, did Judah feel victorious in that moment? I think they're a little bit nervous, but they were no less victorious in the moment of seeing their battle than they were in the moment of seeing their victory. Because the battle belonged to the Lord. Do you know that's exactly what you're told here in 1 John 4.4? It says you have overcome them. You're already victorious. The victory has already been won. And notice the reason. Because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world because of Jesus Christ you are already victorious and in the victory of Christ you get to trust the one who is greater to guide you in the world of decision making so that you make decisions that align with the truth having no regret and great joy in Christ it's amazing What I love about what God has done, by indwelling us with his Holy Spirit, he that is in me is greater than he is in the world, is the moment that he indwelt me with his Holy Spirit, he fundamentally changed who I am. That's verses five and six. Look at this, verse five and six. They are from the world. For this reason, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. So the messages that are coming out of the world are coming out of the spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness that have turned contrary to Christ. And those messages are coming from the world and those in the world listen to those messages. But that's not who we are. We are from God, and the one who knows God listens to us, listens to the truth. So the one who knows God has an ear that has been tuned to the truth, changed fundamentally from an ear that was previously tuned to the world. Do you follow this? This is amazing. Jesus describes this himself in John chapter 10. He describes the relationship that he has with those who've trusted him like a relationship between a shepherd and sheep he says the shepherd speaks to the sheep calls them by name and they know his voice they listen to him And when a stranger comes among the flock and the stranger speaks, they don't listen to him because they do not know his voice. As a sheep in the fold of Jesus Christ, your ear has been changed to hear the shepherd's voice and to no longer listen to the voice of the world. A few years ago, Lindley's dad went in for a hearing test, I guess it was that time of life when he began to admit maybe he has an issue. Uh, And so he went in to get a hearing test and he went through all the testing procedures of seeing how his hearing is doing. And his hearing actually came back as a pretty good test. In most all the ranges of sound, he had good hearing. There was just a small slice of range of sound that he had trouble hearing. It just so happened that that small slice where he had trouble hearing was the same range of sound that came out of his wife's mouth. (laughs) I'm assuming that explained a lot of things. And I don't know whether or not that that range of sound just got wore out over the years or if it's always been that way. They're still trying to figure out really what was going on there. But the fact is, he could not hear in that one slice of sound. Listen, that's what the Lord has done for us. In Christ, he has where we previously would tune in to any and every message contrary to the Lord. When the Lord indwells us by his spirit he closes out that segment of the world's messages from our ears so that what our ears naturally have a bent toward is the truth of who he is. Isn't that good news? We get to listen to the Lord and the onslaught of the messages of the world, they don't resonate with our ears anymore. What really resonates with us is what the Lord says. Now think about this. If the Lord has reworked your life so that your spiritual ears are tuned to Him and what He says, and through what He says, your heart is informed and you can make decisions that honor Him and bring life. So if that's the way God's now designed you, how frustrating will it be for you if you never give your new ear an opportunity to hear him? I mean, the messages of the world are around us every day. You're going to hear them when you leave this building. You're going to turn on the radio or play something over your car speakers. You're going to walk into a restaurant. You're going to hear people talking at tables around you. You're going to go into work. You're going to have your coworkers telling you what they think. You're going to walk into your neighborhood. You're going to hear opinions of your of your neighbors. You don't think you're going to hear opinions of your neighbors come uh, Tuesday? I mean, the messages are all around us. And if all we're doing is hearing the messages of the world and our ears are not tuned to that, but we're not informing our ears of the truth of God's word, how easy would it be in those moments to take some subtle message that sounds kind of like the truth, maybe that's something I should listen to and begin to drift. No, here's the thing. God has changed your ear spiritually, but you've got to fill it with his words. And when you fill it with His words, you know what you'll be reminded of? Every moment, He is greater. Yeah, these messages are competing in the world, but nothing competes for the greatness of God. But you won't be reminded of that to the degree you need it, and your heart is designed to hear it if you're not in the Word of God. I was spending some time with a couple friends on Friday morning, and we were talking about our lives. We do it every week. And we were spending time just praying and sharing about what's going on in our lives. And we we talked about the fact that we have noticed over the course of our lives in pursuing Christ, that those weeks in our life that we make regular practice of reading God's word and praying and journaling about what God's doing in our hearts, that everything else in our life seems to either line up or we see it from a perspective that it's, it's okay. It's like we have been informed of what life is, and all of a sudden decisions are different because our heart has been informed internally and externally by the presence and the word of Christ. And we just, we just were encouraged about what happens in our lives when we put the word of God in our lives regularly. And, and then we recounted how discouraging it is in those weeks that we don't, Spend time in God's word. And our hearts that long for the word of God are left dry and empty and longing for the satisfaction that only Christ can bring. You know, those weeks that we put Christ into our lives, we're, we're, we're making a lot better decisions all week long. And those weeks that we don't put Christ in our lives, I can tell you there's a lot more regret in those weeks. Because what really fills our hearts is Jesus and his love. And when Jesus and his love is not filling our hearts, we make bad decisions. One of my buddies said this. He said, when I am spending time with the Lord or when I'm not spending time with the Lord, I, I, I think about it like playing golf. I was like, okay. Help me out here. It's like playing golf. You you go out on the golf course, and in your golf bag, you got the best golf clubs money can buy. And when you don't spend time with the Lord, it's like playing golf with a shovel. (laughs) He goes, a lot of times when I'm not seeking the Lord, I feel like I'm trying to play golf with a shovel. Now, why would I do that? would we do that why would any of us do that I want you to think about the fact that that some of you in this room are moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas you want know one of the most powerful ways that you encourage your kids and your grandkids to make decisions that don't regret I mean isn't that one of the things we want for our kids and our grandkids one of the most powerful ways you can influence your kids and your grandkids is simply by filling up your heart with Jesus Christ by regularly listening to Him. Because if your heart is full of Christ, guess what comes out of your mouth? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if your mouth is speaking about the fulfillment and satisfaction of knowing and following Jesus, you're giving your kids something far better than a shovel. Do you realize your kiddos and your grandkids need to see in your life that God is greater? because they got a ton of messages telling them something else. And nobody is more influential in their lives than you. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you know people around you every day are gonna catch some of the things your mouth is saying about Jesus and the truth? And do you know that likely, particularly around election season, that what you say about Jesus and the truth might be met with rejection? You ever feel that? You ever feel like when you try to talk to somebody about Christ, they don't wanna hear it? You ever feel like they get mad at you? They don't, want, they don't like you because you said something about the truth? Sometimes our response to that can be, well, I'm not gonna to talk to that person anymore. Okay, if, if, if you don't talk to the world, about the truth that you know, you're giving the world a shovel. They're not gonna get very far. But what you need to remember is that people who don't wanna hear the truth and they reject you because you're saying it, that right there is evidence that you're speaking to the right people. It's not reason to stop talking it's a reason to be convinced that you're the only hope they have. And the truth that comes out of your mouth is the truth they need to hear. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4 that their minds are veiled to the truth of God because they're in captivity to the God of this world and the only way that people will be set free from captivity to the God of this world is by the truth of the gospel because when they turn to Jesus Christ the veil is lifted and they can now hear truth but their only chance is when our hearts overflow with the truth God is greater And we have a world that needs to see it. Amen.